0: Joe Peak
1: to left field. There it goes, number sixty. Aaron James Judge has tied George Herman Babe Ruth with sixty home runs.
0: Eight oh four on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can visit them online at Campbell-Pound.com today. We are also brought to you by the Delari Family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delary difference today by visiting your nearest Delary Acura dealer today. And finally, we are coming to you live from the Kintech Footwear Studios here in beautiful Fairview
1: Slopes in Vancouver. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Don't forget the orthotics, Michael. Canada's oh. favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Uh,
0: one of the more historic seasons in baseball history, specifically in Yankees history, is still going. Aaron Judge, New York Yankees sluggers on 60 home runs. One more, and he will tie Roger Maris's all time record for the Yanks. So we thought we should get caught up and get more into this story. Joining us now, baseball columnist for Newsday in New York, David Lennon here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.
2: Good morning, David. How are you? Great, guys. How are you guys doing this morning?
0: We're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. So um, I wanted to ask you, first and foremost, a little bit introspective here, but you're you're doing this beat. You're covering the Yankees. It's such a historic franchise. It's a big, big beat to have in the market like New York. And then all of a sudden, you get to see one of these all-time great historic seasons unfold in front of your eyes, where Judge goes into the annals of history alongside Babe Ruth, maybe the most iconic baseball player of all time, and Roger Maris, The you know, who had 61. The movie is still out there. I think it's available on DVD. So you're in the midst of covering an all-timer season. I know it's a big question, but what has that been like going through this year and getting to the point where Judge is on the verge of making it all happen?
2: Yeah, it's, it's not something that, you know, anyone anticipated. I mean, even Aaron Boone said the other night, it's like, Because I had asked him, you know, a couple nights ago after Judge hit number 60, you know, do you think it's possible with the way he's so prolific hitting home runs that, you know, Bonds, could he possibly still be in reach? You know, Bonds is at 73, of course. Uh, It's a little ways away. It would take quite a a heater for Judge to go on to catch him. But, you know, Boone said something interesting. He'd say, you know, that's quite a tall task. But, you know, when this season began, if you told me the judge was going to get to 60 – you know, I'm not sure I would have believed that either. So, yeah, I mean, we're starting to talk about some pretty heady numbers here. Um, and when you're talking about Babe Ruth, uh, Roger Maris, uh, you're getting into some pretty uh, hallowed regions for the Yankees. So, yeah, this this is stuff that obviously doesn't happen every day or every year or every decade. I mean, this is really, you know, generational stuff that Judge is doing right now. And you can see that every night in the Bronx. I mean, the Yankees are getting, you know, 46,000 fans every night uh, for a midweek game against the lousy Pirates. So that kind of tells you, you know, the kind of fervor it's created here in New York right now.
1: Is there anything that Aaron Judge has changed to produce these results? I mean, he's always been a pretty good hitter. He burst onto the scene in 2017. and had 52 home runs, but he, he, he's never really approached the numbers that he's got right now. He had, you know, 39 home runs last season, which is good. Don't get me wrong. Um, but a significant jump this season. I'm just wondering if anything he's changed specifically.
2: Well, he did get to 50. You remember when he had the rookie record, which is crosstown buddy with the Mets, Pete Alonzo had passed the year after that. So, you know, he has the, certainly the power um, and I just think that what happens with players, you know, once they've been in, the, you know, talented players, once they've been in the league for a couple of years, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the disciplined ones and the ones that work hard and the ones that study film and the ones that are open to, you know, this type of improvement, you know, study the pitchers, you know, they become more familiar with how teams are attacking them. They become more familiar with the pitchers in the league. Uh, And so they just get better. You know, I know there was a lot of suspicion, you know, back in the steroid era, how people made these significant jumps and it was attributed to chemical enhancement. You know, we're not quite seeing that anymore. I'm not saying that that stuff isn't part of the game. It certainly is. You know, they test for it now. People Mm -hmm. can be better at it. And when people do make jumps, you know, based on what baseball has been through, it's certainly logical, you know, to always ca- cast a skeptical eye, but you have to think the judge has been doing it the right way. Um, you know, I've seen him day in and day out, uh, what he does, the work he puts in. Um, you know, I think this what we're seeing now is just kind of the, the, the improvement of a, of a superstar player. You know, you could see the seeds from that early on. You could see the the plate discipline really start to move up and really the, the You know, the mental part of the game, for as much as Judge is an incredible player physically, and you just look at him, you know, he looks like a middle linebacker and has the strength to do this. You know, the the mental part of the game is what really separates the great players. And, And can they figure out, you know, how they're being attacked on a nightly basis? And I think Judge has done that. You know, he's playing the cat and mouse game now with opposing pitchers, and he's figuring it out. Uh, And and I think that's what's really made him go next level. Uh, And what we're seeing this year, people talk about the home runs. This is a guy that right now is the triple crown leader in the American League, which is another ridiculous feat in itself.
0: You know, I'm glad you brought up the steroid side of all this, if only because it's an inevitability. Like when we were rattling off the list of guys with 60 home run campaigns, uh, it was, you know, McGuire, Sosa, Bonds, they come up. They just, they do. And then it's almost as if when you have the conversation uh, with Judge compared to those guys, it becomes this weird murky area where you don't necessarily want to remember that Bonds is the home run leader and that Sosa McGuire in this conversation. Yet weirdly enough, when it comes to the Yankees part of this and setting the franchise record, people are really embracing the past and the history. And I think it's because... Babe Ruth and Roger Maris are people that you want to remember, and they're iconic figures, and you want to celebrate and embrace their records because it was, for lack of a better term, clean. That's a really interesting dynamic to me because it's almost like if Judge sets the Yankees record, it's almost more stomachable than if he was actually going after some of the steroid-induced records that we've seen with Maguire and Sosa particularly.
2: Well, I mean, I I wrote about this the other day, and and, you know, I mentioned Bonds earlier, is that you know, Judge would really be a hero in the commissioner's office if he ever got to bonds or passed bonds and just erased all of that. You know, and kind of like one fell swoop, you know, baseball could finally, you know, he'd bail them out <clears throat> of all of all the years of kind of embarrassment that Major League Baseball has had to endure since. When you consider like the guys you mentioned, not only bonds. But the next two guys in the list, McGuire and Sosa, are also PED tainted guys, you know. And if if you could have a guy like Judge, who's so above board, to just take those guys off the list, I mean, what a gift that would be for Major League Baseball, who constantly has to answer for that from the Bud Selig years before they get around, before they got around to penalizing steroid cheats. You know, they've left those people; those players are left on the books. You know, and I've Mm -hmm. said as much as people want to talk about Judge being the quote unquote clean home run champion if he passes Maris, there's no such thing. You know, Bonds is in the books as the single season home run leader, one of the most hallowed records in baseball, aside from the all time home run leader, which Bonds also has. So, you know, it's been a source of embarrassment and, and frustration for baseball of their own doing, you know, to have those guys at the top of the list. What Bonds, I mean, what Judge could do is knock a couple of those guys off, you know, a couple of the lower rungs in Sosa, who I think had topped out at 64 or 65. Maybe he could get him. I think McGuire's at 66 or 67, a little higher up. Um, So, but he could take a whack at some of those players. You know, now Bonds seems out of reach. You know, Judge didn't hit a home run last night, obviously, and it would take quite a Quite a tear now to get to Bonds. But, yeah, I mean, if he could ever take Bonds off the books in that regard for the single season, you know, that that would really be something and certainly some, the people in the commissioner's office have been rooting for in recent weeks, even though it looks like now he's not going to get there.
1: Yeah, and just don't do it. And get caught for like corking your bat or something like that. Just do it 100% clean. Um, no, I, f- I fully agree with you. And I, and, I, and I really hope someone does do that eventually. Maybe Aaron Judge can do that next season. The question is, for whom he would do it?
2: Yeah, that's, that's the other part here that Judge is kind of pushed to the side with this kind of amazing season. You haven't, you know, that's all we talked about when the season began. I mean, this was a guy who turned down a $215 million offer, you know, from the Yankees on opening day. Uh, And that was really, you know, the debate that had raged for the first couple weeks of the season. You know, he was actually getting booed guys uh, early on because there were a, a, a level of, you know, there were many fans that were like, you know what? You said you wanted to stay a Yankee. You know, people thought he got offered what was a very fair contract based on his age to stay. And, you know, some fans were were disappointed in him for that, you know, and and that was something he had to get through. And he certainly just kind of bashed his way through that and really just kind of changed the conversation. You know, now you don't even hear about his contract some, you know, in the talk shows down here or, or people will write about it occasionally, but it's really been moved to kind of a back burner thing, which is, which is pretty remarkable when it's just been focused on this home run chase and this triple crowd chase, believe me, it'll be cranked up again to maximum volume uh, as soon as the season is over and their playoff run has finished. But, you know, we're talking about now he turned down a two hundred and fifty million dollar offer. I don't really even think you get to the table without getting it to three hundred million at this point. And and I think you could be talking about a contract anywhere. Max Scherzer has the, the single has the annual salary record is forty three point three. I think you have to start with Judge in the upper 40s now uh, to even get to to even get him to the table, and yeah, he has to be post 300 now, which is kind of you know, which is crazy to think when you're talking about a guy who's past 30, 31, going to be 32. Hmm. Uh, but he's but he's earned it, you know. He's he's put to the biggest concern with him was the injury history. But now he's made it through fine with that. And now he's turned into, like I mentioned before, a generational player. And where would the Yankees be without him? I mean, Yankee is not only the most beloved player on the team right now, the guy that sells the tickets, there's not even a close second on this roster. So the Yankees really don't have a choice but to hand him a blank check and try to bring him back.
1: Man, this conversation is making me feel old because I still remember the days of nobody will make more than Dave Winfield. $20 million <laughs> over 10 seasons. Um, just for fun, one final question. Let's say sure. the Yankees do not re-sign Aaron Judge. Which would be worse? He goes to the Red Sox or he goes to the Mets?
2: Well, I, I, people do like to bring up the Mets. I would say worse would be the Mets only because he would be in the same town. I I don't really see it happening with the Red Sox. They've turned down and I mean, for them not to bring back Mookie Betts uh, was really a disgrace for their franchise uh, and really has shown them they get kind of poked at being, you know, now that they have a former Rays person running their front office, (laughs) they get joked at being kind of Tampa by the Charles river at this point. (laughs) Uh, So I I don't really see him going there. Uh, The Mets, they have so many of their own free agents to sign. I think Steve Cohen would have to get his payroll for next year past 400 million to get judge on board. So I really don't see that either the, the, the curious thing would be, you know, his hometown San Francisco giants keep getting talked about and they've, and they've even said, Oh, you know, we're going to have plenty of money, you know, to go free agent shopping over the winter and one date to circle Who do you think is the team that comes into the Bronx for opening day next year, (laughs) but, but the San Francisco giants, uh, which would really be something the giants of course have their own New York history from way back in the day before moving to San Francisco. That could be, that's the team that everybody's looking at. Not so much the, the, uh, the Mets and the Red Sox. I'm sure, you know, judges agent is going to really try to get those teams involved, but I think the giants, the people here in New York, that's the team that people are fearing that he could wind up at if he wants to go to the West coast. And that what a scene that would be. If he returns, I still think the Yankees don't have a choice. You know, they have got to bring back Aaron judge. Mm. I've never seen a separation. I've I've been around the Yankees now, uh, not as a beat writer, but also as a columnist later since 1995. And I haven't seen a player that absolutely 100% had to be brought back like Aaron Judge has, and I'm I'm not even saying Jeter is in that category. Yeah. That that that's the, for two reasons: the situation where the franchise is in right now, and what Judge has become. I don't think we've ever seen a player that's had to be uh, return has has to be signed again like we've seen with Aaron Judge. That's what he's that's what he's elevated it to.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I can't see him playing anywhere other than the New York, but the idea of him going to San Francisco and wearing the same jersey and hitting the same ballpark as Barry Bonds, I
1: can That's my my,
0: my brain can't even really like <laughs> get all the dynamics in line there. So I think it's time to put the conversation to bed. Hey, David, thanks a lot for doing this today, bud. This was awesome. Great getting caught up with you. Enjoy this run for as long as it goes in this chase. It should be a lot of fun.
2: My pleasure, guys. Enjoy that and enjoy
0: the playoffs as well. Uh, you too. Thanks. That's David Lennon here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. My mind was – my mind grapes were churning. It was going from from grapes to juice, like crushing my brain. I'm like, God, could you imagine if he goes back to his hometown of San Francisco and plays for the Giants and then mm. you get all, – there's all those great – and I don't like Barry Bonds. I'll put it out there. I think he cheated throughout baseball. I've yeah. read the book. The Some of the shots, though – from a picturesque standpoint, they're, they're iconic home runs from Bonds. Mm-hmm.
1: Crushing them into the cove. Yeah, him being a lefty, though.
0: I know, but I'm just different. saying, like it,
1: it's different. They'd have to like, reconfigure the stadium.
0: A little bit, right? Because that was the big thing. <laughs> How many Bonds shots went yeah. sailing into the water? You could hit
1: it off the Coke can. Yeah, yeah.
0: right. You could do that. but yeah, I, think, like, yeah, I, think, I, I think Judge has the record now for a right-handed hitter all time. Most home runs by a right-handed oh, hitter. Oh, McGuire. In AL history, sorry, I should attack that. Off. You just okay, keep adding I qualifiers gave- I, to I, it. Jeez. I remember seeing the stat of like, guys
1: born after <laughs> moving
0: the goalpost. Much <laughs> who originally started in San Francisco. Did I mention that part? Anyway, okay, that was uh, that was great with David Lennon. Good job, A Dog. Nice guest there. Okay, we should probably go to break early and set some time for what we learned. Or why don't we, we can do, do ours and then we can just do humanoids after the break. Why don't we just do ours now? Uh, Laddie and A Dog, dogs behind the glass. Did you guys come up with anything today? A Dog says yes. Laddie says no. That's a smack on the nose with a newspaper well, you. For guys you. always
3: don't like
1: mine, so I'm giving you a break. That's not true. We don't always not like them. It sometimes feels like you're intentionally picking boring baseball ones just to annoy us. Or uh, goalie goals. I've, I've instructed them to do that. And that was exactly
3: what I thought, which is why I'm
1: passing today.
0: Okay, you're yeah. allowed to pass. It's <laughs> Thursday. You have to come back tomorrow with one, though. Okay? Or an no ask pressure. us anything. Why
1: don't I do one here? Yes. Um, I learned that... Um, Flames general manager Brad Treliving doesn't like this idea of quote-unquote winning the summer. Now, okay. remember all the the kudos and bouquets that were thrown at Brad Treliving when he salvaged the Flames offseason. He which, lost
0: the summer and then he won the summer. Then he won
1: it back yeah. with the departures of Johnny Gaudreau and then Matthew Kachuk. But then he gets Huberto and Kadri and Mackenzie Weger, And people are like, wait a minute, are the Flames better? Uh, he had a great quote yesterday. He said, the idea of winning the summer is a load of crap. You try to win in the winter. The summer really is irrelevant. And I think he made another great point when he said, look, we sat at this, uh, you know, in, he was talking about in the room where they were. We sat in here last year and i think there was very little expectation of this team on the outside. The team had a good year. Now we got to start it all over again. Remember the expectations for the Flames last season? They were they were not high because they'd had no. that they'd had that very disappointing uh, season in the All Canadian Division. Who were the teams that made the playoffs? It was Toronto, mm-hmm. Montreal, mm-hmm. obviously, and Edmonton and Winnipeg. Right, that is correct. Calgary. I remember we looked at that uh, at their team and we were like, "That's a good team," but it just for whatever reason it didn't work. Yeah, they and, didn't make the playoffs. It was a disappointing season. So they went into last next season and we were kind of like, "Man, like, like I, I don't know if this like this this could, this team could be like a disaster." Uh, and, and we were talking about, ah, there's, there seems to be like something off in the room. And then they had that terrific regular season. Now it ultimately ended in disappointment with just a disappointing performance against the Edmonton Oilers in, let's face it, a weird series where there were tons of goals. Marky didn't look himself. It was just a weird series. Uh, now they head into this season with high expectations. And what Treleving is saying is like, look, it can happen the opposite way too. You can go into a season with high expectations and you can kind of, you know, you know what the bed. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it was interesting
0: that, um, I think it was interesting that it was framed that he won the summer in the first place because at the end of the day, they got maybe incrementally better on paper. Some will say a little bit more than that. But it was almost the summer of total upheaval where it could have gone terrible, and he salvaged it. And I don't know what expectations are in Calgary. I imagine they're just going to stay high because there's too much invested in this team at current time, at the present. It's not like they got a loaded prospect group. It's not like they've been drafting really high. He's moved out picks in order to build this
1: team to win right now. Did anyone... Did it get much discussion about the long-term risk that Brad Shreliving added to his team, signing guys like Kadri and Huberto to these long-term contracts. Huberto's almost 30, Kadri's 31. And he's getting this long-term contract. He's got Blake Coleman signed to a pretty long-term contract, and he's 30 now. Did anyone talk about that? Or were we all so distracted that he was somehow able to uh, pull off that trade with Florida and bring back together a strong group for next season. Um, the, I do remember very clearly people
0: giving him a pass, rightly or wrongly, because he had to do it. He's like, well, he had to do something, right?
1: You got to it. I'm always gotta, skeptical when people say, well, what was his choice? Right. Well, his choice was not to do that. But it's
0: an accurate assessment, just might not be the right one. That's what I'm saying. Like, really, he couldn't have. Um, well, it's an ne-
1: accurate re- 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 it's an accurate assessment in a purely reactionary way. Yeah, but the the present is the key for this team. Yeah, I
0: mean, if you're ever going to kick the can down the road, now's the time to do it for sure. In order to keep the team competitive, yeah. he didn't have many options. I think sometimes we we exist in a world where every contract and every situation needs to have the best ending or outcome. And I think in the reality is a lot of people have to acknowledge that you sign a deal with a certain player with the acknowledgement that it probably is going to go badly at the end. But that's the price you pay for it to go great now. How many how many ideal contracts are there in the NHL? How many great contracts for teams, value contracts, smart, savvy contracts? I think
1: McDavid's is ideal right now. Okay, one. There's a lot of contracts. If you get, if you make the bet on a, a kid coming out of his ELC, Quinn Hughes has a great contract right now. There's a lot of contracts that work well if you get them from 23 to 31. I just
0: think that not everyone's going to be like that. There are going to be some where you're going to – Those
1: pick- can go badly too, right? They can. All of them can go badly. Right? The Ottawa Senators are making a, l- a lot, lot of big bets, of big bets yeah. on players that are young, and they're saying, listen, we're going to try and lock up their prime years – so the advantage to this is we're getting their prime years so there's no worry about like oh he's 32 is he going to lose a step uh there's also there's also the advantage of if the salary cap keeps climbing by year 4 or 5 those deals look amazing for example the Nathan McKinnon contract which is recently exp- or, is, or is going to expire after this season after which he's going to play under a massive extension the risk is <laughs> Mm. You lock up these kids, and they're like, wait a minute, this guy kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> You're John
0: Marino. Man, what do we do this for? That kind of thing. Okay. Uh, we are up against it for time. We got to go. We're going to come back. What we learns humanoid time. Get them in, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. It's your chance to be on the radio. We'll read them on the other side. Halford, we're off Sportsnet, 650. <laughs>
1: My favorite part
2: of the show. Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. All right.
0: Ah, yes, it's what we learned time on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Before we get into all that, though, I need to tell you a couple things. This hour of Halford and Bruff Brough is brought to you by Campbell and Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell Pound.com today. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. All right. What well, we learned. I understand that we haven't emptied the tank here at the Kintec Footwear Studio. Uh, you have one that you wanted to do again, Jason. You're so learned, and we haven't talked to a dog yet. Yeah, I have one. Okay. Why don't you go while Jason drinks out of his gigantic tea mug? The mug of tea that you the can mug see on of the stream. It, it, it's a water. Com- I'm, I'm getting over a cough.
1: Yeah.
3: Comically oversized mug. I like it. I like it. It actually mug. says
1: "mug of tea" on it. Yes, I'm Game assuming of this
3: is a Game of Thrones one. reference. Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? I. You don't watch that. Game of Thrones? I don't care for fantasy. No. <laughs> no, I don't. Dragons? Like, no, thank you. That's
3: why he watches the Canucks.
1: Like straight reality. Straight reality. <laughs> yeah, straight. <laughs> it gets real, real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, a dog. Go. Yeah,
3: well, this is a personal one. Like, I actually saw this last night and it made me laugh. And yes, I, you're I doing tweeted, this. Okay, I tweeted the video at Andy 1984. So there is some video context to it. I, I urge you to watch the video on my tweet so you understand what the heck I'm talking about. But in the West End where I live, there is a pizza delivering robot. I saw it. I this blew me away. I felt like I was in the 22nd century. Like I was like, this is the future. We are living in the future. I, I almost didn't understand what I was seeing at first, because this little thing sort of caught the corner of my eye and I was yep. like, oh, somebody's controlling this little robot. That's kinda neat. And then I look closer and I start following it. It's this own little self-controlled robot, a pizza hut delivery system controlled by DoorDash, I guess, because it had their logo on it. And it was just waddling along, just doing its, minding its own business, going down the street. But it was, like, dodging traffic. It was on the sidewalk.
1: Yeah. It was adorable. I saw a video uh, the other it day. It had a shotgun um, on the side, which was weird. Yeah. It's, well, it's <laughs> yeah. protecting the pizza. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That was strange. But other than that, no, it, I couldn't believe it. You have 10 it. seconds to yeah. comply. Please put me down. I am getting angry.
1: <laughs> no, I saw a video of, of one of those exact same robots uh, in L.A., and there was a crime scene. So it had been there was yellow tape. That's not funny, but... And it just rolled. It, no, no, no. It rolled right through the crime scene. Oh, God. And the cops were like Look at that little guy go. And then and then the you know just bouncing off of it And there. then you know what happened? It planted a knife. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: that robot I thought that was a little surprising.
0: Yeah. That robot's now doing 10 to 20.
3: I just I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Like, it. I was just like first of all, how is nobody robbing this thing? Secondly, will the pizza be fresh? Thirdly, how long does it take? And fourth, how does it actually know where exactly to go? Because it was, like, right up on the sidewalk. It was going into this exact little route. It was incredible. I couldn't believe it. Do
0: you it. think there was someone behind the controls? Or no, I
3: was looking around. There was nobody there. there was and guy. other people were filming it as well, just in disbelief. You like, were looking around. I was. I was looking, like, surely somebody must be controlling this with a remote somewhere. Because I was. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And all these people around me, same thing. And it was just going on. It's merry So Welcome to the
1: future, Andy. It always starts with pizza. It's True.
3: crazy, man. I want to order pizza from this road. Robot just to see. So I do know that Pizza Hut has
0: actually developed the technology for a fully automated robot pizza restaurant. Oh yeah, I heard about that. They've 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 had it. I think it was in Israel, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken. Anyway, uh, it, it's basically just a storefront where the it's just all robots making your pizza. Yeah. Right. And then I would imagine now the delivery service. Is a little more complex, because I feel like more things can go wrong. Like, I know mm-hmm.
3: Amazon has the delivery robots where they, like, fly down and drop stuff off. Like, those have been around for three or four years. The, the, the drones. The drones, the, yeah, yeah. those exist. So, I mean, the technology- have We, do we is... don't have those in Vancouver. No, I've never-, I've never No, but I'm, they're in the States. I've... I don't look up much,
0: though, so- We will all eventually be replaced by robots in this job. Like, this is not that difficult to do. Hot dog, we have a wiener. Yeah, yeah
1: right. What are the Canucks going to do about the Bo Horvat contract yeah. situation? How does he know
0: this? Stop praising the machine. It's the right side D-Man 3000. Do you guys ever hear about the, <laughs> hear about the hitchhiking I am open. the same crap over and over again. <laughs> is this
3: it for Jet Woo? Yeah. <laughs> just reading tweets. Yeah. Will Hogunder make the fourth line? Yeah, that's it. So there was a hitchhiking robot in the United States that they attempted to drive around the states. Yeah, and it didn't
1: make it through Philly. Yeah, right? it got to Philly <laughs> and it got destroyed. Yeah. I love it. this text. 15% is still the lowest tip option for the robot. Yeah. <laughs> And you choose that one, and he goes, yeah. you cheap bastard. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Are you sure you want to choose this? You have five seconds to comply. Yeah. Six seconds. Did the robot just cancel me?
1: What yeah. happened here?
3: Okay, mook out that. That was a good one. Uh,
0: Laddier, or bruv, who's left Well, here? Andy's was so fun. You choose the
3: 15%. It's the prices, right? Boom. <laughs> 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 Right, okay, I'll stop.
0: Now. You had. I know that when you film this, you're like, I got 18 bits I want to do <laughs> yeah, on the pizza robot. There
1: is so much comedy here. There's I got to so mine it all. So much. Good you content. can just leave now. You could probably take it right to the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, mine is like way less fun, but I still I still want to share it. Um, Alfred and Prof always detecting the proper tone for conversations here. Yeah, well,
0: like, like so we're scrolling. like
3: scrolling through Twitter, you know, doom scrolling, and then you get one nice it's, story. This
0: is a fair reflection of society right now. It's like, hey, look, a pizza robot. Well, and hey, look,
1: a, a terrible war. This is going to be an interesting situation for the NHL te- for the NHL because uh, the Predators and the Sharks are set to play regular season games October seventh and eighth in Prague. Okay, it's the Czech Republic. Just in case anyone Czechia. didn't know, Check Czechia, Czechia. 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 Um, and those NHL teams are being told that their Russian players are not welcome hmm. and may not even be able to get a visa. So, the players involved, they're not exactly NHL stars. It's Yakov Trenin for um, Nashville. For Nashville, and San Jose has Evgeny Svechnikov. Um, There's maybe a couple other bit players, but. Sure. You know, listen, I I don't know all that much about the history of uh, Russian Czech relations. I know there there is more of a history than uh, Canada has with Russia, um, and it's maybe a little bit more intimate and maybe a little bit more emotional. Uh, I just wonder how the, how the NHL is going to handle this. Are they going to play these games still, or are they going to say, okay, well, they don't get visas, so they can't go? Uh,
0: Dominic Hashik's playing a pretty integral role on the side of the Czechia representation that doesn't want the Russian players, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Is that correct?
1: Laddie, you had the, anything the article
3: had from the Canadian press states that he's been campaigning for months
1: okay. uh, to the
3: government to make this happen.
1: Mm-hmm. He's been very critical of Alex Ovechkin yes. for Ovechkin's relationship with Putin. Uh, I do know... Yeah, so the
0: sanctions seem like they're not going anywhere. I do know that Russia, the other day, had been officially uh, ruled out of qualification for Euro 2024. So that's a fairly big development as well. And it seems as though that... Um, this could directly impact not NHL exhibition games. These are, if I'm not mistaken, the correct regular season games. That's where they're going to kick off mm-hmm. their regular season. So, games of significance, right? It's a pretty big deal.
1: Uh, so, give us a moo cow on that, ah. and we'll get back to the wackiness. Halford, do you have one? You, you, you really, you really have a, a what we learned? Yeah. So. Well, there's two,
0: uh, both pertaining to the video feed. We should address this. Um, you can watch the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650 on the internet. You can go to Twitter at Sportsnet 650. We have a post that live streams the show throughout the day. Um, we have been toying with the cameras incessantly. We have a new one. It's a Sony. It's a high def camera.
3: It's actually a Sony.
0: Sony, and we're also renovating the studio. So the idea is use the really nice new cameras that we have but also make the shot as tight as possible so not to see how we live, right, with the bags of garbage and the ongoing construction. The result is an uncomfortably close shot
1: of me in particular. Yeah, you're, you got the, uh, what they call t- a, a tight shot. It's tight. It's tight. She, it's tight. Every day I'm yeah. going to
3: zoom it in a little bit closer to your face right. you yeah. to see if you notice.
0: So uh, Derek, the human transporter, it's not as nefarious as it sounds. He's just a bus driver. Uh, hashtag www what we learned the live Twitter video feed is much less exciting than I thought it would be I do love the show though there's not a lot of excitement in watch quite frankly two heads
1: that's all it is it's just two heads
0: you were a little self-conscious coming in this morning though
1: I've noticed uh, on the videos that when I talk I blink You do. like it's uh, it's almost like my mouth is powered by my blinking weird i've like, never started blinking 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 when i'm talking
0: and now it's the only thing i can't stare at is, yeah it's is it's just that's you do blink
1: lots. look into my eyes you have trouble i can't they closed half the time
3: <laughs> ruff is just talking like this round like eyes wide yeah
1: yeah <laughs> god my eyes are drying out <laughs> yeah. uh uh okay well so we're, we're, you're just reading reader ones or those aren't those weren't yours what we learn your your what we learn, no oh
0: sorry i jumped straight to the listeners we should have fired yeah. up the dot matrix i we're good on our what we learn uh, Tony.
1: How did you get that one without the dot matrix? It's, uh, I don't know. It's impressive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tony, with a, what we learned, what I learned is that JT Miller has a serious Clark Kent vibe going when he wears his glasses. Uh, I'm just glad we're talking about his glasses and not anything else that he's That's wearing. That's the only thing he's worn of significance in the last week. Again, his <laughs> glasses. <laughs> no more Miller
3: accessories talk. Please. No. Glasses are fine. Maybe his gear, his hockey gear. Can we talk about that? What stick is he using this year?
1: I like to think that when JT <laughs> Miller is making, like, a serious speech to the team, he'll, like, take his glasses off. That's right,
0: guys. Oh, he means business. Oh, boy. <laughs> Shh.
1: He's going to say something serious. He's taking his glasses. He should go to the goggles. Go to the goggles on the ice. He
3: needs a little cleaner for his glasses. And before every answer, he takes his glasses off, yeah. cleans one of his, mo- you know, puts it back that's on. A big, are the, are that's the a gl- history professor move yeah, right yeah. there.
1: yeah. Are the glasses a new thing for JT Miller? Have we noticed this before? I have never. I haven't known. I've have no, have not, not noticed what? the glasses. Is this, is this, the this problem resp- when, when when you lock up aging players, the guy's <laughs> eyesight is going? Do you think is this a response, his legs will be
3: next? Is this a response to the hat? Do you think he's like I got? I, I, you know I don't even know what you're talking. <laughs> what <about? hat? laughs> yeah. I don't even know what you're talking. What hat?
0: Yeah, I distinctly recall <laughs> saying very loudly that the only accessory we were going to talk about was his glasses.
1: <laughs> I think you mean the hat, the winem dynam? Yes, <laughs> yeah, that one.
0: Yeah. What does that hat say? What in is
1: Vancouver, that? only in Vancouver would that be less controversial. I was going
0: to say, the only more controversial headwear was Louis Erickson's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, controversial. That was the best thing that Louis yeah, that, that did that's, in Vancouver. That's his defining moment. It was, exactly. That was the only time Vancouver fans were like, yeah, maybe he's not so bad.
0: Yeah, he wants to eat. Let him eat. <laughs> All right. Focus. Joe Bob, hashtag WWO, what we learned. Today is the first day of fall. Is it?
3: We had so many scientific replies yesterday, by the way, in the inbox we did not address when we were all confused that yesterday wasn't the first day of fall.
0: Some say the 21st, some say the 22nd, some say there's this kind of equinox. I think summer never ends.
1: Yeah. If we're being real. Especially with our car commercials. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> what are you talking
1: about? It sounds More great. specifically. <laughs> Summer's and in and the the air, lack
0: of creative is going to make sure it's at least summer till October fifteenth, sixteenth.
1: Unsign what we learn if the BC Lions win all their remaining games, they would host the West Division final. Uh, yeah, they got some big games coming up. They got the Stamps on Saturday, the
0: rematch, rematch. But they rematch.
1: got two games remaining with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, one on the road and one at home. So yeah, I guess they do control their own destiny in terms of uh, the West division. I just really want them to, to host a playoff game. That'd be nice. It would be a start, right? Lion, uh, I, Lion,
0: sorry. Lions can clinch a playoff spot uh, this weekend against Calgary. If they win, they can also clinch, even if they lose and Calgary wins, if I believe it's Hamilton and Ottawa
1: lose. So this is a pretty significant weekend. I love a nine team league. It's like, I think the Lions are going to play the Stampeders like eight times this year, based on preseason, uh, regular season, and then they'll probably play them in the playoffs. They're probably going to be the 2-3 matchup. Like
0: you don't, you don't get a lot of back-to-backs in football.
1: I was actually, when I was talking to Vernon Adams about that the other
0: Back-to-back, day. Back-to-back. Yeah. You know, it's like, who are you playing? <laughs> Same guys as last week. It doesn't happen very often. There's so many other opponents all these other leagues get to play. Because that's what they're faced now with, right? It's like, everything that Calgary saw last week, they got on film. They're going to adjust to it. And then the Lions will be like, well, wait a minute. Calgary is going to adjust to what we did last week. We have to have adjustments to counter their adjustments. We have to adjust the adjustments. I mean, very, right.
1: very complex and convoluted. Uh, Kevin on the road, what we learned, moving Quinn Hughes to the right side of the defense and then moving the issue to the left side is like that Simpsons episode where Bart's lizards solve the pigeon problem. Right. Yeah, and then Bart's lizards become a problem and they have to bring in snakes and then the snakes become a problem and they have to bring in I believe snake eating gorillas. Then of course, mm-hmm. you got yourself a gorilla problem. Yeah, it's true. It is it does have kind I of I want to buy
0: your rock, Lisa. Yeah, that's the same, same concept.
1: Um it does kind of have a deck chairs on the Titanic Feel to it, robbing Peter to pay Paul. I guess the 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 question is, which of the defensemen below have the most upside that could potentially play in the top four? Like if you if you uh, let's say Hughes and OEL are a pair, okay, right? Then if your second pair is say Travis Dermott and Tyler Myers, and Travis Dermott proves to be a, a top four defenseman. Then yeah, maybe you could say that that Quinn, moving Quinn Hughes has helped solve it. Or maybe it's it's Jack Rathbone who t- who takes a step and he's paired with I don't know, Myers or, or Shen or maybe, you know, I I, right I, now, I don't know how it, how it, how it's going to help, but I I'm curious to see what it looks like. I'm just not sure it's going to solve a problem. It might if Dermott can play
0: alongside Myers in a top 4 role. Because if that happens and you go into the season with your top pair of OEL and Hughes and your second pair is Myers and Dermott, and it works, I think you're you're kinda laughing. Not that you've got the greatest blue line in the NHL or anything, but you found a fairly decent solution without ever
1: changing the group. Yeah.
0: And do anything. They just got one guy to play on the other side. And it's like, hey, now we're not bad. That's a decent solution. But the solution.
1: whole key is just have four good defensemen. Right? right? Four top four defensemen that you can count on. And right. But they now, don't have that. No, but, the, but so the next plan is. But how no, do we manufacture that? No, but it, my my point is that if one of these guys, and I think the best candidates are, uh, why don't you sniff a little? Sorry, louder I tried. Into the to, mic. I tried
0: to suffocate it, but it didn't work.
1: Well, you you got that little button there. Yeah, I missed it. Uh, Travis Dermott and Jack Rathbone. Would you guys say that they've got the most upside? Dermott or in, Rathbone? Yeah. Yeah. And like dip- I don't think Dermot in Toronto maybe didn't get the full opportunity to play in, in the top four because they got a they had a fairly deep defense there. Uh-huh. Um and and I think Jack Rathbone is obviously a young player who has potential. He just has to show it in the NHL. I just I mean the big difference is that I've actually seen
3: Dermot. Dermot's twenty five though. Is he really isn't he kind of he is what he is now. How old
1: was Erhoff when he came to Vancouver? Like it was it, maybe it was that kind of similar situation yeah. where I, I, think you could classify, I think you there. could
0: classify Dermot as a reasonably good gamble. Oh, I don't have a problem with That there's yeah, something
1: more there because he had such a muted role in Toronto. Text in, the deciding factor is Rathbone. If he can be a regular and play to his potential, we are good to go. Good to go maybe, but who do you pair him with? Who does he play with? Right. Chen? Myers if he's a top four guy. And then you put maybe Dermot and and Shen together.
0: It is asking a lot of essentially a 23-year-old rookie defenseman to be a top four guy. Right? He's older
1: than Quinn Hughes? I know he is. (laughs) We've mentioned that several
0: times. It does blow my mind. It is kind of funny, though. Yeah. Hughes is a vet now. He's calling other guys kids. He did that a couple times. He should call Rathbone a kid. He's like, hey, kid, you'll make it eventually. I think he called Kuzmenko a kid. He's like, we got the Russian kid Kuzmenko. I'm like, he's like four years older than you. How old old is Kuzmenko? 26. I just got to say,
1: I...
3: I love Kuzmenko already. Just I, The Canucks' social is just a, such a good job with him. He's like my new favorite player, and I haven't seen him play yet. He's Better hope so, he he's pans just, out. He's before. just amazing.
1: There is that profile of Russian player that comes over, and you're like, that guy is just a happy-go-lucky guy. He's, he's adorable. Guy. Yeah, was, he's adorable, right?
0: He is. Yeah. That was Mikhaev when he came to Toronto. Yeah, I can't was not it? like this guy. Yeah, because I think he is... English was limited, mm-hmm. but he, he said like along the lines of like, I like soup. And then the next thing you know, like everyone's like, that's adorable. He like uh, soup.
1: Who doesn't like soup? But Goldobin was the same way, right? Like Goldobin, yeah, but same Goldobin way- couldn't play. Yeah, but okay. But forget, take his, take his, uh, you know, take all that out of the equation. He was a likable guy. I think he was like, people liked him. Yeah. He was I, like, he was like, hey, here's your little kid brother, Goldie, right? Right. Because Menko kind of has that that I'm I'm in this wonderful new adventure. Yeah,
0: I, and, that, and that's part of it, yeah. for sure. Um, I would be very curious to see how he plays hockey. Because the, the KHL... Well, there's old bottom line helper When you bring guys over from the KHL, I've never seen such a wide gap. And, oh my God, this guy's amazing. I can't believe he wasn't over here earlier, like Panarin. And then other guys, you're like, they
1: could go back any time.
0: This is a east west dude and a north south league.
1: Uh, Andy, a lot of people complaining that the podcast is not up for hour one. And that what's going a, on? That was God. a horrific hour. Well, first with of Brendan all, Batchelor. a lot of people. Many people. Many many people. There's one guy. There's at least two.
0: You know who would have had it's, hour, It is up. You know who would have had hour one uploaded right away? The replacement robot that we have for <laughs> Adon. <laughs>
3: I can see that it has been. They loaded. don't make mistakes. Ro- okay. That's the thing about robots. You they know what's going to be the
1: worst part? We're going to make you train the robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this robot
3: <laughs> talks back to me a lot. <laughs> hey,
1: don't don't make eye contact with Bruff. <laughs> the robot, <laughs> robot will have to learn that. Please <laughs> do not raise your voice. The, the robot
0: took
3: my parking spot. Like
0: those
1: clowns in Congress did it again. What a bunch of clowns.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the it, our one is definitely up on Spotify, Apple, and on the website.
1: How does it keep up with the news like that?
3: <laughs> Stop praising the machine. <laughs>
1: What we learned on Sign Text is there is a new 30 for 30 about Jeremy Lin and Sanity, And as fun as that time was, it was only a two-week stretch of time and doesn't feel worthy of a full, full 30 for 30 documentary. Maybe I'm wrong. I- I'm sure they're going to go into more than just that two-week stretch. Yeah, obviously. Come yeah. on, man. Like, it was... there's, there's a cultural angle to that. Yeah. By the way, I watched a few minutes of the Wrexham documentary yesterday. And... It feels staged and formulaic. It has not grabbed the
0: public consciousness really at all. It I, just it People feels, are watching it, but they're watching it almost like, that's another. It feels like
3: reality TV. Like the it, reviews it, it, have been subpar.
0: No, but yeah, it, it, I
1: know. It, you know what it feels like? It, you know, you're kind of like, you know, the storylines and they go after the obvious storylines, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's go and talk to the members of the town about how important this, this team is to the town. And you're kind of like, yeah, I saw those in the previous, like you got to give me something more now, to be fair, I haven't given it a great chance because it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't pull me in. Mm -hmm. Right. I was kind of like, yeah, this is what I expected it to be. There's Ryan Reynolds who we all like, and he's a nice guy and he's making some funny jokes and he's, you know, you know, making fun of himself and there is that element to it right yep. if you like Ryan Reynolds you, you, you'll probably have fun with the documentary um, the documentary I did watch over the weekend and absolutely loved and I have to thank you for the recommendation and I have since passed it on to many others was the untold Netflix documentary on the 1983 America's Cup yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that it. was awesome yeah, it was really great I loved the footage I loved the way it was told I loved the characters I actually had, I had goosebumps at one point, mm-hmm. I, well, they, they... watching watching the celebration by by the Aussies and the. It is a terrific doc, documentary. Uh, I recommend even if you're not into sailing, mm-hmm. which I imagine most of our listeners are not. <laughs> it's a fair uh, assessment. We've got a very yeah high class yachting uh, listenership. Um, but watch it; you, you'll really enjoy it.
0: As Laddie just said in my ear, it's time to sail away.
1: Nothing? Nobody? Not a one, eh? I wasn't even listening. I checked out.
0: We got to get out of here. We will be back tomorrow. (laughs) Signing off. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Brough. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.